Welcome to week number five uh, in our Q&A series. We're concluding it uh, this weekend. This is question number five from the surveys from Christmas uh, that so many of you filled out. And uh, this is a pretty interesting question. Uh, I, it's one that I'm kind of, I find myself asking uh, quite often as well. Uh, so if you have your Valley Christian Church app, let's go ahead and open that up. I think you're going to want to be able to look back uh, in the future uh, as we answer the question, why do I do what I don't want to do? Why do I do what I don't want to do? Anyone relate to that? Obviously you can because you wanted to hear the answer to this from the Bible. Why do I do what I don't want to do? I mean, honest, can I, can I just be real honest? I don't even want to be preaching right now. And you think I'm joking. I don't even want to be in church right now. I have been feeling sick all week long. I wish I was back in bed under the covers. And uh, yesterday, I, I texted my community group. I was like, guys, you got to pray. My throat felt like pins and needles. I was like, uh, I'm not even going to be able to do this. And, and uh, when I get worn out like that, it's just like everything gets worn out emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, not only physically. And... Uh, but I'm going to do this anyway. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and preach. So uh, let me just say this as, as I uh, start the message. I'm going to be preaching hard to myself, and y'all just eavesdrop, okay, if that's all right, uh, in answer to this question, why do I do what I don't want to do? Now, here's the interesting thing about this question. There's a whole passage in Scripture where the Apostle Paul answered this question. And think about this. This is the Apostle Paul who, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And he says he didn't do the things he wanted to do. And the things he didn't want to do, he found himself doing. So that gives me a lot of encouragement. That gives me a lot of hope as well. As God worked through his life in a powerful way, he wants to work through your life. He wants to work through my life in a powerful way. Even when we find ourselves asking the question, why do I do what I don't want to do? Do you know that there are over 2,000 self-help books published every single year in the United States? 2,000 Two thousands of how can I better myself? How can I overcome these things? Two thousand, year after year after year after year, trying to help people to move past things that, that they're hanging on to them. And, and so as we start out in the, answering this question, let me ask you a question. What do you have a hard time controlling right now in your life? M maybe it's your temper. Maybe it's your spending. Maybe it's your eating. Maybe it's your mood swings. Now you're really meddling with us, Greg. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's drunkenness. Maybe it's procrastination. What are the bad habits or the bad habit that you just like, you know, I, I, I've done another New Year's resolution, and here it is, February, and I'm right back at it again. Why do I do what I don't want to do? Three answers to this, really, that I think are important, and I just want to uh, break down this passage in Romans chapter 7. That's where Paul addresses this in Romans chapter 7. And, and it's kind of difficult, so, so I'm going to kind of uh, you know, drill down into it and, like I said, unpack it. But in, as we begin to answer this question, why do I do what I don't want to do? Here's the first thing. There's the problem. 
And here's the problem. My sinful nature, that's the problem. Every one of us is born with a sinful nature. The Bible makes that very, very clear. A, a child is not born as a blank slate. We're born with sinful natures. You don't, you don't have to teach a child to, to be selfish. You don't have to teach a child to grab something away from another child. You know, before they can even like hardly roll over. Scream, yell, I want what I want. I want it now. These, these are not things that are taught. The problem is my sinful nature. Look at what Paul, again, just, just don't, don't miss this fact as we start looking at what the Bible says here. Look at what Paul writes, and it's God, the Holy Spirit, speaking through him. Romans chapter 7, verse 15. Paul says, I don't really understand myself. For what I want to do, uh, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. This is Paul, who, who almost single-handedly just, just turned the world upside down. I don't really understand myself for what I want to do, uh, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate, so I am not the so I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Paul understood, and maybe you've heard it this way, there are two wolves, the black wolf and the white wolf, the, the good wolf and the bad wolf, and which wolf do you feed? It's sin nature. It's all inside of us. And, and Paul is saying, I'm struggling, so I'm not the one doing wrong. It's the sin living inside of me. And Paul was saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. And writing scripture while he's saying this. And he's saying, there's a battle that's going on inside of me between the spirit, which, which is alive in Christ, and, and, and this sin nature that's inside of me. And he doesn't end there. He goes on and he says, and I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. He's like, I still got this thing I'm struggling with. And I want to do what is right, but I can't. I don't know, in some twisted way, that really encourages me. That just really encourages me when I'm like, I don't want to do this. I, I, you know, when I'm just like, I, I'm just worn out, that just really encourages me. Jesus understood this as well. And, and, and look at Jesus' words. Remember on the night that he was betrayed, he asked the disciples to pray with him. He said, spend some time and, and pray with me. And look at what it says in Matthew 26, 41. It says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Watch this now. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. What is he talking about there? The spirit of God inside you is willing, but that sinful nature is like, Phew. I'm out. He identifies this struggle. And obviously it's a struggle for, for you as well because a whole bunch of y'all said, this is the fifth most common question we want to hear answered. Why do I do what I don't want to do? See, here's the thing. Good intentions are never good enough. That's why the gym is full every January. But come June, you can always find space to find a, get on a bike. 
because it's just good intentions. Good intentions are never really good enough. And, and so let's unpack this now a little bit. Here, here in Romans 7, what we just read, here are the results of this struggle. The, the, the results between this struggle with, with the spirit inside of us and the sinful nature that's inside of us. First of all, confusion. It, it causes this real, real great confusion. Again, look at what Paul says. We just read it, Romans 17, verse 15. Paul says, I don't understand myself. And listen, if you don't understand yourself, who is going to understand you? I don't understand myself. Paul's like, I just don't get it. What's going on inside of me? I'm so confused. I'm so confused. And, and the results of, of this sin nature, this battle going on inside, first is confusion, second is frustration. That's where it comes for me, primarily frustration. Not confusion, I just get frustrated. I get frustrated. Look at Romans 17, 17, it says, I have the desire to do good, but not the power. See, that's the problem with self-help books, and I've read a lot of them, and they helped in a measure, but most of the time you just switch something with something else. I have a desire to do good, but I do not have the power. Where's the power to change? What's really going to give us the power to make the difference? To, to swing from what I want to do, I do. And what I don't want to do, I stay away from it. Where's the power? Where's the source of the power? Because Paul says, I have the desire, but the desire does not get me to the destination that I want. Because I don't have the power. And boy, there is no frustration in this life like the frustration of feeling powerless. Powerless to change. Powerless to overcome. Powerless to break free. Because good intentions only carry us so far, and then we fall and we fail, and now we feel guilty because we failed, and we just go worse and worse, down, 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 down. Confusion, frustration, and then in discouragement. We just get discouraged. Why even try? What's the use? Look at Romans chapter 7, verse 24 in the message translation. It says, I've tried everything and nothing helps. I've tried it all. Nothing helps. I, I, I've tried Jenny Craig. I've tried, you know, uh, uh, Weight Watchers. I've, try, I've tried it all and nothing helps. Nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. I don't want to hear anyone say amen right now. It's not a good time. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Confusion, frustration, and discouragement. I'll tell you something about Greg Williamson, if you don't mind me, because I'm talking to myself anyway, and you're just eavesdropping. Nobody throws a pity party like this guy. That, that's what always happens. When I get worn out, and all, all of a sudden, I just, I, it's all me. I'm all alone. There is no one in the world that could possibly understand 
how difficult it is to be me. Some of y'all laughing because you think you could beat me in that pity party, but I'm telling you, and I'm not inviting you to my pity party anyway because only one person's ever invited to a pity party. Confusion, frustration, and discouragement. Listen, if you've ever felt like this, there's hope. There is a way out. So Paul just, just identifies. He's just, he's just keeping it real. He's just laying it out there. This is what he's feeling. But there is hope. But, but I, I don't want to, like, push past the question and the problem too quickly. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. This is Paul. Is there no one who can do anything for me? That's the problem, my sin nature. Your sin nature. It's ugly. It's gross. We try to push it down. We try to keep it out of the way. But, but all that we get worn down, we keep going, keep going, and all of a sudden, boop, it pops out. And those ways are like, oh, all of a sudden, I didn't want anyone to see that part of my life or who I really am. But here's the promise. You ready for the promise? The promise is personal freedom. Jesus came and lived a perfect and sinless life and died as a sacrifice and a substitute in your place and my place. Paid the price for your personal sin and my personal sin. That sin nature that we still wrestle with and rose again three days later. And true freedom is found in Jesus. He's the one who has the power. That's why everything, all these other human efforts, they just fall so far short. He's the one who has the power. The promise is that Jesus came not just to forgive us of our sin, but also to give us the power, the personal freedom over that sin and that sin nature. Jesus put it this way in John chapter 8, verse 32, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Freedom comes from knowing the truth. The secret to personal change is not willpower. You can't find it in a pill. The secret to personal change is found in a person, and his name is Jesus Christ the truth. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The secret to personal change is something that you know. Let me put it this way, because all the problems, listen, every problem, you know, sometimes uh, Susie and I are asked, and we do some marriage counseling to help some couples and all, and, 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 and you know, we just, we're gracious, and we're going to love it, and we try to you know, skirt around it and all this stuff. Do you know what the problem is? When there's problems in marriage, you know what the problem is? Sin, selfishness, that's what the problem is. Problems between parents and children, do you know what the problem is? Sin, it's that sin nature. Problem with boss and employee, sin. It's always, it's always in there. And it's like part of it is just knowing, oh my gosh, that's what's going on. And then just, just recognizing it. And, and, and we believe all these, these, these wrong things. And Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Watch this now. 
behind every self-defeating act is a lie that I believe. Behind every self-defeating act, there's a lie that I believe. Let's take alcoholism for just an example. I believe, if I'm, if I'm drunk and I have an alcohol problem, I believe that is going to take away the pain that I have inside. It's a lie. It's a lie. Behind every self-defeating act is a lie that I believe. I can medicate the pain away instead of letting Jesus heal the pain. You see? Behind every single, I, I have to protect myself because I've been hurt before, so I have to protect myself. I have to build up walls, so I'm never going to let anyone near me. And if you hurt me, I'm going to cut you off. There's a lie behind that. When Jesus says, I want a relationship with you, we can't even trust him because we think everyone's going to hurt us. Behind every self-defeating act is a lie that we believe. And here's the crazy thing. Many of these lies are lies that we make up ourselves. Those are the most deceitful lies, the lies we make up ourselves that we believe ourselves. And they rob us from the freedom that Jesus came to give you and came to give me. That's the promise, personal freedom. Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So we've talked about the problem, we've talked about the promise. Because I am a doctor with a bunch of letters after my name, let me give you the prescription now, okay? I'm not a medical doctor. I'm a theology doctor, divinity doctor. So let me, let me give you a prescription now, okay? Dr. Greg is going to prescribe something, all right? You ready? Here, here's the thing. Four things. Here's your prescription, okay? There's four parts to this prescription. How, why do I do what I don't want to do? How can I stop doing those things that are just, you know, we, we have a little bit of measure of success, but it feels like one step forward, two steps back. Here's the first thing. Okay, four, four parts of this prescription. You ready? And I'll show you something cool right toward the end. First of all, we have to acknowledge the root of my problem. You have to acknowledge what the root of the problem is. Face the truth about me. That, that, that I have an attitude problem, and it's called, and I know we don't like talking about it. I, I know our culture doesn't like talking about this. This is not like, like you know, conversation at lunch break. I've got an attitude problem, and it's spelled, I'll, I'll spell it. I won't even say it. S-I-N. It's sin. In fact, you can't even spell sin. Guess what's in the middle of sin? S-I. I'm always right in the middle of it. That's where it all comes from. People hating on each other. People being mean to each other. Just to all this. It's a sin problem. At a personal level, at a national level, at a global level. It's a sin problem. And we have to acknowledge the root of the problem. And it starts in our mind. What is sin? Let me, let me, let me take a couple swipes at this to try to help us to understand it. Sin, in a very basic definition, is this playing God. Sin is when I do what I want to do rather than doing what God wants me to do is sin. The, 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 the idea in the Greek, New Testament, the Greek word for sin, uh, it, it literally is like an archery term. It means to miss the target. The target is God's will. 
God has a will. He's got a will for every one of you, you and me, all the time, what to think, what to act, how to feel, you know, all these things. He's got a will. And, and when we hit the target, we do the right thing. When we miss the target, what God's will is, I want my will, God, not yours. That's sin. Missing the target, to miss the mark. And so that, that's the, a, a real basic definition of what sin is. But truth, watch this now, truth is what God says it is. God's word is true. In fact, there's a place in the Bible, I, I love this verse that says, let God be true and every man a liar. God's like, I don't care if all humanity says this is the way it is. If I say it's not right, it's not right. Let God be true and every man a liar. And so sin is rejecting God's law and being a law to myself. I want what I want when I want it. I, I, I want what I want, not what God wants. I want it now. That's what sin is. And so we live in denial about our sinfulness, and we try to fix ourselves apart from God. And the first thing is we have to admit, God, I'm a sinner. I'm a, I mean, sometimes I'm like, okay, Dude, you're 50. When are you going to grow up? When are you going to just stop being such a baby? I mean, I had a cold yesterday. I thought I was going to die. I, I literally thought I was going to die of a head cold. And I was just like, you know, I, I, just want, I just want Susie to bring me just the soup that I want and all this stuff. And it's like, wah, 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 wah. And it's, it's got a sin problem. And all these attitudes and stuff just bubbling up. And I'm like, wow, where did that come from? When is it going to stop? The root. You have to identify the root. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible puts it this way. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. All right, so here's what I want you to do. Let's practice. If we claim we, don't, we are without sin, we're lying to ourselves. We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So I just want you to turn to the person next to you right now and say, newsflash, I'm a sinner. Okay, would you just do that? Just admit it. Just admit it. Because if you can't admit it, the truth's not in you. If you can't admit it, the truth is not in you. If we claim to be without sin... The truth is not in us. And, and, and don't we mess this up all the time? I mean, this is just good Bible, folks. We mess this up all the time because, because, because we, we kind of put on these airs as Christians like we got it all together. And, and God says, you don't have it together at all. If you claim you're without sin, you, you're lying to yourself. You've got to come clean with the root of the problem. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. See, here's the thing about sin. Sin always involves self-deception. Always. We, we, we think we don't need God to help us. We need this. We, 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 if I could just have that, or if I could just get more of this, everything's going to be fine. Instead of turning to God. And so here's the thing. Y'all thought I was joking. I wasn't joking. I, I didn't want to be here. I don't want to preach. I, I, told, I told my wife before the service started, I said, I refuse to become a professional preacher. 
To me, a professional preacher, you just flip the switch. Doesn't matter what's going on inside. You just do your job and you're done. I'm like, I, I, all my life, I don't want to be a professional preacher. She said, okay, baby, tell them how you're really feeling. So there you got it. How you like that, huh? <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Listen, I could have called in sick. My mind's saying I should have called in sick. Not my body. My mind is. But I know the worst place for me to be is in bed right now. Because I need God not to run away from him. Because I'm a sinner. And I need him. And I'm driving to church today. And I'm like, well, I'll put on that old Christmas. I mean, my attitude is crap. And uh, I'm just being real. And Susie's like, Lord, he's being too real. It was just, wait, it was just crap. Yeah, I said that in church. And I turn on, I was like, well, at least I'll listen to Christian music. Maybe that'll help me. And this song came on. I need you. Oh, I need you. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. And I remembered my baby girl when she had surgery on her ACL and got a blood clot and the pain medication wasn't working and she's writhing in pain and she mumbles I need you, I need you and I thought she was saying daddy I need you and I leaned down and I said baby I'm right here my heart's just breaking she says no not you dad <laughs> she said I need God And in that moment, that music playing that song, and I put her earbuds in, and she listened to it over and over. Just kind of like God saying, nice pity party, Williamson. Sin. We got a, we got a sin problem. There's always this deception. What is it right now in your life that you don't think is really a problem? But people around you are saying, it's a problem. See, there's deception in it. What is it in your life right now you're addicted to? You're like, no, 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 I can stop anytime. Anytime. You're trying to satisfy and dull the pain in life with a substitute. Anything other than Jesus. Jesus put it this way in John chapter 8, verse 34. He said, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And Jesus came that you and I would not be slaves any longer. Sin is always exchanging short-term pleasure for a long-term loss. Let me say it again. Sin is always exchanging short-term pleasure, a short-term fix for long-term loss, long-term pain, long-term hurt. So the first thing is you have to acknowledge in the prescription, acknowledge the root of the problem. Second thing, believe that Christ can change me. I've got to believe that Christ can change me. So first we face the truth about us. I'm a sinner. 
And then we face the truth about Jesus, that he can actually change me. Romans chapter 7, back to Romans. Romans chapter 7, verse 24. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin, Paul is saying. Watch this now. Thank God. Paul says, who's going to free me? What I, I don't want to do what I do. Who's going to free me from this? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. And I love how he says it. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And he's like, come on, all y'all in the boat with me. You're all sinners too. We're, we're struggling with this and all. Come on, the answer is in Jesus Christ, who? All right, come on, let's do it like we mean it. Jesus Christ, who? Yes, sir, the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Who will free me from this life that's dominated from sin? Listen, I'm not, I'm not saying you don't do it. I'm not saying resolutions are bad. I'm not saying self-help is bad. But what I'm saying is it all is secondary to Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's the only one. He's the one who has the power. All the other things, just exchanging something for something else. It's, it's just, just tiny little measures when Jesus like says, I came to set you free. Free. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank God. Romans chapter 8, verse 2 says, For the new spiritual principle of life in Jesus Christ lifts me out of the old vicious cycle of sin. Living in Jesus Christ. Listen, y'all, I, I, I like to be transparent and honest and real. I don't know how much more real I can be. I did not want to come out here today. But Jesus gives me the power gives me the strength to say, Greg, admit it. And I did. God, I'm a sinner. And I need you, and I don't like this stuff that I'm feeling. And so I'm leaning on into you heavy. And he's like, all right. Now we got something. The new spiritual principle of life in Jesus Christ lifts me out of that old vicious cycle of feeling sorry for myself. Of feeling no one's ever had it as bad as me. As feeling I deserve this. I know it's wrong, but I deserve this, so I'm going to do it. The new spiritual principle of life in Jesus Christ lifts me out of it. This old vicious cycle of sin just going round and round and round and round. So the first thing we need to do is acknowledge the root of the problem. Second thing, we need to believe that Christ can change me. Watch this now. Third thing, confess my struggle to another. A, B, C. Guess what the next one's going to start with D. See what I did there? Uh, confess my struggle to another. This is like A, B, C, D. Confess my struggle to another. James chapter 5, verse 16. The Bible puts it this way. Confess your sins to each other. Watch this. And pray for each other. Watch. So God can heal you. 
When a believing person prays, great things happen. Listen, as long as you keep your struggle a secret, your struggle will keep you. As long as you keep your struggle a secret, your struggle will keep you. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can, so that God can heal you. There's something about when we look flesh and blood in the eyes and say, man, I'm struggling. I don't want to do this. I feel like I'm sliding. And a fellow Christian says, I'm not going to let you slide. I'm not going to let you fall. I'm going to pray for you right now. Listen, y'all, this isn't a commercial, but I'm just going to tell you, this is why we have small groups in this church. This is why it's so important. It's not something we do on the side. It's the core of everything we do. But where people come together and they begin to share their lives with one another and they can say to someone who they've built a relationship with, another brother or sister in Christ, I'm struggling. and say, I'm not going to let you fall. I'm going to be there with you. Because as long as your struggle is a secret, as long as you keep it a secret, your struggle will keep you. Confess your sins to each other. It doesn't say confess it to the pastor. It doesn't say confess it to the clergy. This is talking about fellow Christians. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that God can heal He heals you in that process. When a believing person prays, great things happen. Why don't, we, why don't we just ask for help? Listen, all right, like I said, Susie and I, we, do some, we, we, we try to help some folks, you know, some, call on us for marriage. And, and I don't know other, like, professional counselors and everything. Do you know what they'll tell you over and over and over again? Most people wait too long for help. They wait too, too long. Most people will ask for help in their marriage when it's hanging by a thread. M most problems, it's amazing how quickly they can turn around, but they just go too long. It's because of our ego. It's because of our pride, our ego. And I, I heard this one time, a football coach told me this. I thought, that's fantastic. Do you know what ego stands for? Edging God out. A football coach told me that. I was like, that's brilliant. Our ego edging God out. We're like, I can't come clean. I can't tell anyone. I can't tell one person what I'm struggling with. There's, there's no way that this could be true, what God's saying. I'm trying everything else and I'm failing, but I, I just can't believe this. It's true. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that God can heal you. When a believing person prays, great things happen. Confess your struggle. And so back to the prescription. First thing, acknowledge the root of my problem. Second, believe that Christ can change me. Third thing, confess my struggle. And here's the fourth part of the prescription. You ready for it? Dedicate myself completely to Christ. Go all in. Go all in. Don't, don't hold back. Dedicate myself completely to Christ. In Romans chapter 6, verse 12 through 13, same book that we've been reading in Romans chapter 7. This is just a chapter earlier. Look at what Paul says. Do not let sin control the way that you live. He says, don't do it. Stop it. Don't do it. 
do not give into lustful desires. Don't do it. Stop it. Instead, see, we're going to give ourselves to someone or something. It says, do not give, do not let sin control the way that you live. Do not give in to lustful desires. We're going to give ourselves to someone or something. Instead, give yourself completely to God. Completely to God. Since you have been given new life. New life. And as we've talked about in weeks past, Jesus said, I've come that you'd have life, and that life would be more abundant. That's what he came for. It was for freedom. Galatians says, it was for freedom that Christ died to set us free from sin. And so we have to live, and we have to lean on Jesus. God, I need you. I'm a sinner. God, God, you're the only one that can give me the strength that the power to, to, to break this in my life. You have that power. So dedicate myself completely to Christ. See, that's always the easiest way to identify what's really got the strongest hold on us. Is what is that one part of your life where you're saying, you can have it all, Lord, except this right back here. That's what's controlling us. That's what's dominating us. And that's what we need to give Jesus more than anything else. More than anything else. That's why he came. So, I hope you've enjoyed eavesdropping on Greg having some kind of uh, psychotic conversation with himself uh, here today. Let me end with this final statement. Stop trying and start trusting. Stop trying to be a better person. Because if, if trying was enough, you'd be a much better person today than you are right now. Stop trying. Start trusting. Start trusting that the one who knows you even better than you know yourself, Jesus. He said, come to me. Come to me. You are a heavy and weak and heavy burden. Come to me. Don't, don't run. When, when everything in you is like, I want to run the opposite direction. When everything in you is like, I want to stay in my office and I don't want to come out during worship. Oh, I'm talking about myself. Come on in. Give yourself completely to God. He wants it all. Not 99%. I mean, could you imagine? <laughs> Susie and I got married. I was like, honey, I'm going to give you 99%. But one day every year, I'm going to go nuts. I'm going to go crazy with all kinds of other women. But you get all the rest. She wouldn't have me for a moment. Look at her face right now in the front row. But we do that to God all the time. I'll give you everything except this one part of my life. And he's like, I want it all. 
And when you give it all, you'll find freedom you never thought was even imaginable. Stop trying and start trusting. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you. Lord, if there was nobody in the hearing of my voice today, I thank you for what you've done for me. Big baby that I am. Lord, I need you. Lord, we need you. Lord, we're sinners and, and we're saved by your grace. God, we, we need you to become everything that you purpose for us to be. And so, Father, I just ask right now that, that when we find ourselves struggling, Lord, first of all, we'd acknowledge the root of our problem is sin. That we'd believe that Christ can change us. We'd confess our struggle to another Christian who will pray for us and great things will happen. And Lord, we'll double down and dedicate ourselves wholly and completely to Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the new life that as we give ourselves completely to you, that your power is released in our lives. Father, we need you. We need you so much. Thank you, God, that you love us and you don't push us aside. You don't, you don't keep us at arm's distance, but you say, come to me. Come to me. And so we come. We thank you, Lord, for your grace, your forgiveness, and your strength. Help us, Lord, to, to follow through with this prescription. Thank you, Father. Right now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I, I just want to give an opportunity to, to anyone and everyone who's here right now and the hearing of my voice. If you've never taken that first step before, putting your faith, your life in the hands of Jesus Christ, I want to I pray right now a prayer that you could repeat after me. Just open your heart to him right now. Because the Bible says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So with our heads bowed right now and our eyes closed, I just want to lead you in this prayer right now of receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior if you've never done that for the first time and really giving yourself completely to Him in this moment. You can just repeat this prayer after me right now. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Lord, I receive Jesus' sacrifice for me through his life, through his death, and through his resurrection. Jesus, I need your power today. I need your power to be the person you created me to be. I need your power to walk in freedom. Jesus, I, I ask you to be my Savior, my Lord today. Lead me. Guide me. Direct me from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Valley Christian Church located in Hopewell Junction, New York. Please visit us online at valleychristianchurch.net for more information. Thank you.